Good morning. Good morning again. I'm sorry for interrupting what is obviously very vigorous fellowship. It must be that full moon again. Uh, it's the bacon. The bacon in the full moon. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. Quick raise of hands. How many people got the email this week? All right. If you're not raising your hand, please make certain you do one of two things. Either come talk to me and I'll write your email address down, fill out one of the sign-in sheets there. I sent out a survey, and I don't know if you were able to fill it out or click to go online to fill it out. I apologize for the technological uh, puzzle that you had to solve when you just opened an email. I'm glad you got the email. Um, I am trying to gather a little information as I sort of find my bearings uh, for, for this group. And so I am looking, and I've already had one person good enough to say, Eric, you left one of the items we might do together or we might want to find other people at RUMC who do it. I left golf, which is a four-letter word I just want to point out. Yeah, I, I left golf off the list, and I, I feel, I feel uh, I'm sure I left something else off the list, equally obvious. But uh, thank you for participating. It's meant for you to also be able to forward that email to somebody else. I've gotten a couple of responses from people who are either no longer at RUMC. It's a great way for you to engage other people because I really would like for this group to be exciting every time you're here. And sometimes, right now, maybe we're not meeting. And so we're going to be trying to find our way through that. But thank you for being here this morning. Um, the person I'm going to introduce really probably needs no introduction. If you're at RUMC for breakfast and you don't know who Tom Davis is, well, well, thank whoever invited you here this morning. Um, so I, I'm going to I, – I sent him an email saying, hey, look, I'd like to introduce you. And I'd, at, at our office, when we in, introduce new employees, we ask them to give us five things people might not know about them, kind of icebreakers. It's fascinating what people will tell you. And so uh, I'm going to give you uh, the top five things that Tom gave me, and I'm going to give you in reverse order, sort of a, a David Letterman uh, style here. So number five is he rode dirt bikes for 12 years with his son. Any broken bones or anything to talk about? Just bruised ones. Just bruised ones. Great, great, great. He never won an eating contest. But he should have. Now, there's a, I was a little nervous about the bacon, but anyway, it worked out. He backpacked through Europe for a month, and there's probably at least some, a bunch of stories inside that one. Number two is a little more intriguing. I like poking dead things with a stick. So everybody keep moving around, right? Just be and, and the number one and most intriguing is I once drowned a rat by hand. It was very satisfying. <laughs> and so with that, I give you Reverend Dr. Tom Davis. <laughs> If you've never killed a rat by hand, it is very satisfying. I, I ask my children, make sure that's on my tombstone when I die. Just put Rat Slayer in there somewhere, because it is definitely an accomplishment. Uh, this morning, Eric asked me to, to say uh, to talk about what puts a fire in my belly. And so he put me in the dark here in the corner in order to talk about the fire in my belly. Well, and I like that part. I like that part a whole lot. Um, so it has to include stories if you've ever heard me preach. But, um, and, and I started thinking about it and I thought, well, I, there's, I have a clock inside of me that 
is about 20 minutes long, 20, 22 minutes long. So everybody's going to be out of here well before 8 o'clock. Don't get nervous. Um, you got to enjoy the bacon, and now you get to enjoy the, the rest of the morning, too. I, um, I was raised in church. Uh, I think I may have, have used it as a sermon illustration. I had, early on, there was no reason to not go to church. Mom, uh, if you were bleeding, mom was the good coach. To say, Put a little tape on it, suck it up. Throw a little dirt. Get out there. We're going to church. There was never a reason to not go to church. And um, I always went. And when I got to be about ah, early on, probably middle school, I said, I don't want to go anymore. She said, well, you have to go. So, well, even if I don't want to, that's right. Well, I think I'm old enough. Well, that's good. You think you're old enough. You're still going to church. And there wasn't much of a choice at all. And like most I don't know if it's it's the same with women, but most men at about 13, 14 start to figure out, okay, what kind of man am I going to be? You know, what does life mean? What does it stand for? What am I going to stand for? And um, at, I'm the youngest of three. I wrestled because my brother wrestled. The wrestling coach would come over to the house when he wrestled. So I got to know him well. I thought, well, I like a lot of sports out Focused a little more on track. I pole vaulted and and, uh, and wrestling. So my junior year, excuse me, my sophomore year, I wrestled eighth, ninth, tenth grade. Um, I was a good kid. I, I slipped up in the state. I got fourth in the county and uh, went to state tournament and slipped up my first round. I didn't know who I was wrestling. I was wrestling the previous year's state champion, and I beat him. And um, so I, thought, I walked off the mat, and the coach said, do you know who that was? I said, no, he, said, he won state last year. I thought, oh, well, maybe I, maybe I could be good at this. And uh, it, it dawned on me for the first time, maybe I could maybe I could do this. So I, that was a uh, second week in February, state tournament, and I started right then working out every day. I don't mean most days, I mean every day. And my goal was by the end of my senior year to win state. And um, I maybe missed five days in three years um, working out. And every waking hour, I went to every camp. Dan Gable, I don't know if you remember Dan Gable. He was the first gold medal winner He um, uh, of the Olympics. He had a camp down in Florida. So I tried to talk as much of the team to going down to the camp. I got to wrestle with Dan Gable. And I got to go to the camp and I saw a bunch of state champions from different states down there. I got to wrestle with them. Uh, came back and I was working along. There's a lot of adversity to go through when you set a goal up for yourself and what kind of man was I, I going to be? What kind of, what kind of Christian was I going to be? My church was the kind of church that, uh, most of the time Jesus was a good example. You know, you're following the perfect example and, you know, trying to raise people up to be good citizens and, uh, find people and I thought, well, the kind of man I want to be is is a successful man. That's where happiness comes from, is a success. And doing things well, being disciplined, and and being a part of of the community, and uh, being a good Christian was to be, to follow Jesus' example. And um, went through, there, there was a adversity as there is in anything when you set your mind to it. By the end of my senior year, um, Went to the state tournament and uh, made it into the finals, and I lost five four 
And I'm not bitter about it, okay? Uh, I'm fine with it. Just don't ask me about it. Um, and But I, I went on and wrestled Olympic style. I, I won state and beat the Florida State champion, went to the nationals, and some kid from Iowa cleaned my clock like it's never been cleaned. Uh, corn-fed boys up there just don't wrestle like the, <laughs> the grit-fed boys down here. And uh, so... But, yeah, I'd, I, I'd met my goals. I'd been disciplined. I'd done what I thought God wanted me to do. I was a good citizen. I was a good student. And I was miserable. And um, every year I went to to uh, to youth camp. But that year I said, you know, I, I, I can't. Um, I, I don't belong there. Um, and... It wasn't until a lot later that I read a a great quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, uh, no man knows how bad he is till he tries very hard to be good. And, um, And Jesus' example didn't make me feel better. It made me feel worse. Um, Because I didn't come, I I didn't come a country mile of being anything like Jesus. Um, So the week of summer camp, with youth camp, rather than going to youth camp, I went out backpacking by myself in the woods. And I took a Bible with me. I'd never take, I hadn't, I tried to read it, I think, in 10th grade. I started at Genesis and probably made it to Leviticus. It was dry as toast, and I closed it and never opened it again. And uh, this time I started reading in the book of Romans. And um, in Romans 7, it, it, it really struck a nerve with me. Um, one of the things Paul says in 719, he says, For the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. If you've ever played golf, that's the first rule of golf. <laughs> yeah. um, but I hadn't played golf at that time. I just knew that that was pretty much what my life was. Every time I try and do the right thing, I end up doing the thing that I don't want to do. And um, it just struck a, a nerve with me. And then, when he said, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? I, I thought, well, now this isn't a book I'm reading. This is God speaking to me. And then I got to the next chapter because there's an answer to that. Who will set me free from this body of death? And in 8.11, he says, that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells in you. That it's the Spirit of the risen Christ that's to live in me. I had, I swear I had never heard that before. I thought it was all about being good and following the example and being a good citizen. That it was being a success, being a good student, being disciplined at what you did. Setting your your sights on a goal, on excellence, and reaching the goal, and I was miserable. And um, I remember I was out in the, the middle of the woods in the North Georgia mountains, and um, I began to pray in a different way. And um, I asked Jesus to to live in me, rather than just to be a a a good good example or a good person. And um, things started to change. It didn't change all at once, but I began to, to notice what God was doing around me for the first time. Um, the little things that before would make me frustrated, um, instead I could 
I could laugh at them. I could pass them off. I could move on. And I began to see a joy and a peace that was living in me that hadn't lived there before. And I began to read my Bible, not because I had to or mom said do it or uh, that's what a good Christian would do. It's because it spoke to me. And um, I stuck around the New Testament for a long time before I ever jumped in the old. Um, one of the things that I, that I read was Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. And if I wanted to know what God was doing, I needed to find out what Jesus had done and what Jesus was still doing. So I stuck around the Gospels for a long time and kept reading them over and over and over. And I, I thought, you know, I was made to be God's instrument, God's vessel. So started uh, another guy and I. I was in college. Started teaching um, seventh grade boys in a, in a in a Bible study. Well, teaching it when you hadn't read it, you know, you, we had to to meet every week and and learn more about it. And I was opening up commentaries for the first time. Didn't really know what one was, but um, to teach, you know, I had to I had to learn a little bit more about it. And um, teaching those boys for over a year, that was that was just great for me. Uh, I was a business major. Um, first two years of college, I was looking forward to getting out, making a lot of money, doing what I needed to do, plugging into my church because faith was very important to me. And uh, I was also a part of a Bible study, Metro Bible study. I don't know if any of you are from the area, but uh, it was a huge, huge deal on this this area. Uh, I, when I started, it, there were about uh, about 50 or 60 people in it. Then all of a sudden, Steve Barkowski, the quarterback from the Falcons, started going in. Wow, did it grow. <laughs> it grew like, like that fast. It got up to about a 1,000 um, or a little, little more than that. And uh, one night they had a fellow named Leonard Ravenhill speak. And um, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know why he was supposed to be great or anything like that. And they passed out a book that he had had written, and I don't have any idea what he spoke about, but at the end of his talk, he said, um, I think that there's some folks here that God's calling into full-time ministry, and it was like a hand reached inside my stomach and squeezed, and I almost barfed right then, and um, and it was one of those times that um, I thought, well, that's the natural feeling for every Christian to share their faith. Um, God hasn't called me to this. Um, it's just the natural feeling that every every Christian has. So I I went I was driving home and I thought I need to pray about this some more. So I drove out to Kennesaw Mountain and um, it was the middle of the night. Parked my car, started walking out in the fields, and all of a sudden I started. I just knelt down and I started praying for the first time for hours rather than minutes and seconds, and um, and I. Couldn't stop praying. Couldn't stop being quiet and listening. And um, it, it, uh, when I got home, my mother was waiting for me. Well, I was a junior in college. It was the summer. She never waited for me. And she was sitting there. And I said, right, you're up. She said, well, yeah, I started getting to get in bed. And something told me you wanted to talk tonight. And um, I said, well... Please don't tell anybody this. <laughs> uh, I said, I, I, I think I've sensed a call into the ministry, that God's calling me into the ministry. She said, I've known that for a while. And um, so 
we talked about it a little bit that night, and I said, just please keep it quiet, because I want to make sure that it's not Tom calling Tom in ministry, that it's God calling me in ministry. And I, I had no idea what to do. I didn't know if seminary, I was too late, or if I was too early for seminary. I didn't know anything about it. And um, I began to discern that call over the next year. And um, and the more that I began to look around, the more I began to see that that I I had a strong sense Jesus was calling me to preach the very message I felt like I never heard. That Jesus came, He died on the cross, and He rose from the grave, not just to forgive your sins, but to live through you, to live through me. That it wasn't to give a good example. That is to give power in this life that we don't have. And it's not power for our success. It's power to to be a part of his kingdom and his good purpose. To work and to will for his good pleasure is what the Bible says. And um, being a good citizen, well, there are just as many good citizens in hell as there are anywhere else. And uh, that uh, I was... I was called for a purpose. And I, I, I felt then and I feel now that that's, that's a message that's missing among good folks. That you're made for Jesus Christ to live his life through you. And it's a message that, that not many folks hear. Or if they hear it, maybe it was said and I just never heard it. Um, when I came here, I, I pretty much stated that that's my that's my purpose. You'll hear something about Jesus every Sunday, and it won't just be Jesus as a good example. It'll be Jesus living his life through common ordinary people, not just two thousand years ago, but people that uh, that are broken, people like me. Um, I, I haven't reached perfection yet, but I'm still striving toward it. Um, that puts a fire in my belly. That's what, um, on occasion people say, we're taking this thing too seriously. Um, that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that's, uh, not many things in life that you feel like you're, you're, you're called to do, you're made to do. And, um, that's the, the one thing that I do feel like I was called to do made to do and that's what puts fire in my belt and uh don't often get an opportunity to to share that story um and thank you eric for for asking me to do that rather than just talk on some topic in general thank you all for having me well now you've had food of two different sorts um I, I found a, a scripture, I actually, let me give credit to my wife who found a scripture uh, from Proverbs about you know, men need to get together, steel, make steel stronger by rubbing up against each other. I appreciate the open and honesty that we get from our pastors as they share who they are and what drives them to do what they do. It is it is hard to uh, sometimes hear whatever God is calling you to do. Um, you know, when you think about, uh, have, you know, being suddenly... Uh, out of control when you feel a call. I, I'm a minister's son. I really do enjoy hearing when I hear another minister uh, 
and what has where they felt that call. Um, if you if you're married, you probably remember that feeling as you were preparing to and finally asking your your, your wife to marry you, and how you knew you were making a life changing decision at that moment, and you didn't know all that that was going to bring to you. And think of all the things that that has shaped in your life, both easy times and not easy times. And so uh, I'm super grateful, Tom, that you would come and share um, what puts fire in your belly. Um, you know, this morning uh, I, I am I am seeking I am seeking guidance for this group. I want to find out what this group does well, what you like to do, what what pulls you here in the morning. I believe there are more people who were not here this morning who I wish got to hear that. And um, I'm sure somebody will pop into your mind. I hope you will consider inviting them. Um, I am I am looking for speakers for the next uh, several months, and so we're, we're going to really together find a, a good direction. For this group, it is, it is always, I'm grateful when I get up early and, and come have breakfast and I get to be touched by somebody else's life. You, you do not have to be a professional speaker to get up here and talk about what, uh, God has done, what you have felt. Uh, that will take care of itself. You have to just trust that the people who are going to hear it are going to hear what they need to hear and not necessarily that you're going to say everything just the right way. So um, if you would like to come up and share one morning, let me know. Um, I forgot to write my email address up here. I'm going to write it up here in, in just a minute. Um, I appreciate those of you who have returned the surveys to kind of tell me a little bit about what draws you to this group, what, where you see this group going. Um, if you want to take a printed copy, there's a couple of them on the table over there. But we're going to collect some information, and we're going to do the things that Methodists do. We're going to have a little committee, and we're going to talk about it and do all the things that Methodists, Methodists do. So, um, you know, don't, don't be shy. Um, so thanks for being here this morning. We're going to, we're going to end a little early. Thank you, Tom, for, for giving us time to in, enjoy our mornings. Be sure to tell somebody about what happened this morning. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody who you don't even know, and you're in the grocery store, and you want to say, well, our minister this morning got up and told us what put fire in his belly. And um, that might just be the word that they need to hear today. You, you just never know. And so uh, thanks for being here this morning. And, uh, Tom, would you mind closing us in prayer? I like to <laughs> What a great good day this is. Good company. Good food. Gorgeous noon. Good morning. And your good presence around us all day. May we never stop to tell you thank you for all the good things. Give us eyes to see them and lips to tell you thank you. I'm thankful for these folks. And I'm thankful for this church. You, you changed the world. Starting right here in, in Roswell. And I'm thankful for that. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.